And uh, I, I had, again, I was at these camps, and it's so much fun just hanging out with kids and, and you know, watching all the old camp stuff. I'm excited for our Illinois camp that's coming up. Um, it was hot, uh, particularly in Georgia. Georgia is like the devil's armpit. It was really, really warm. And, uh, and your boy was sweating. Your boy was, was having a good time. I think I lost like 37 pounds in water weight. Uh, but nonetheless, it was really, really great. We had an awesome time. And particularly at the altars, watching people go after God and pursue the presence of God. And I was thinking about that because when I get to do camps, I go and I speak and I do what God called me to do. And then I leave. I don't get to go home with these kids. I don't get to have the one-on-one like I do with you guys. But one of the things I often think about because of all the years I've been with as a pastor is what happens after camp. The battles that they go through, the, the struggles that they go through, the issues that they go through. And one of the greatest issues that you go through before, after, during camp, any season you're in, when you're a teenager and when you grow up, I think one of the greatest fights that you and I have is not fighting, uh, you know, people. It's not fighting ideologies. Quite honestly, the greatest battle you'll ever have is the fight that you have in your own mind. Your mind is ridiculously powerful. I mean, it really is the the greatest supercomputer on the planet. As great as technology has advanced, nothing can supersede the power of a human brain. Nothing can fire synapses as fast as the brain can. I mean, the brain really is a marvel. Uh, It is a testament to the creativity and ingenuity of our creator. It is powerful beyond measure, and it has the power to do incredible, incredible things. But it's also so powerful that sometimes it can get the best of us. The mind has a way of doing things that aren't even rational. Think about it like this. Uh, there's this thing called a phantom ring. And uh, you and I have all experienced it. If you've ever had a cell phone for any number of time, a phantom ring is this. Have you ever felt your cell phone vibrate in your, on your pants and you go to check and there's nothing? But you swore you felt it vibrate? That's phantom ring. It's your body, it's so in tune, your mind is so in tune and used to feeling the vibration of your phone ringing that even when it's not, you think it is. And so you go and check. That's the power of the mind, that you will actually feel that even though nothing ever happened. It actually goes to another extreme. Often we see this with uh, you know, veterans that have come back from war and have been amputated, or many amputees, which means they've had to have a limb cut off. And there's this thing called phantom limb. And what that is, is let's say you get your, your leg cut off from the knee down. And so you lose everything from your knee down. Phantom limb is the, the phenomenon that they can still feel that part of their leg, even though it's not there anymore. They will feel intense pain. They will feel intense burning because the mind still thinks the leg is there. And because it still thinks it's there, it fires off those responses as if that pain was still going there. And so there are tons of amputees that struggle with phantom limb pain, with pain in an area of their body that's not even there anymore. That's how powerful the mind is. And so it's no wonder that if you're going to have any kind of transformational uh, movement in your life, if you're going to grow in any way, shape, or form in your walk with God, so much of that has to do with the transformation of your mind, with changing the way you think. I used to laugh, especially when I was a kid, because people would say, oh, well, you know, church, all they want to do is brainwash you, and that's a cult, and all they want to do is brainwash you. And I remember one time thinking, well, maybe my brain needs washing, Maybe it's filthy enough that it needs a little bit of cleaning. 
And oftentimes we don't understand even where our thought process have come from and why we think the way that we think. But in, other, in any other way, you already have a set thinking. The way you think, the way you view things, the way you perceive things, it's already formulated, particularly at this age. And much of that is unhealthy. And the Bible tells us if you can change the way you think, you can change the way you believe. And if you can change the way you believe, you can change the way you behave. And there's this process that goes through. And so often, we try to just change the way we behave. Well, I'm going to stop doing that sin, and and I'm going to stop acting like that, and I'm going to stop cursing, and I'm going to stop looking at porn, or I'm going to stop being mean to this person. I'm going to stop bullying. And we have this idea that we can just change the behavior. But the behavior can never change if the mentality doesn't change. And so you're putting the cart before the horse. You're trying to fix this situation without fixing the root. You're trying to address the fruit, but you're missing out on the root issue, which more often than not is a struggle with how you're thinking. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. There's a great verse in here that I've always, always loved. Romans 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Listen to what advice we're being given here. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So often, many of us, especially us believers, Christians, those of us who are trying to follow God, one of those great cosmic questions we have is what's God's plan for my life? What's God's will for my life? What is God calling me to? What does God want me to do? And here's the deal. If you're going to understand that, you first have to allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to begin to transform your thinking, to begin to change the way you view things, because if he can't change the way you think, you'll never be able to perceive or understand or see the plans that God has for your life. It says, then you will learn to know God's will, right? After the transformation of your mind, after you change the way you think. And so there's a few steps to this that I think is important for all of us to understand. And number one is this, you got to stop thinking like the world does. You got to stop thinking like everybody else in your school does. You got to stop thinking like everybody else, even in your house does. You got to stop thinking like the world and the problem is most of us would sit there and go, well, I don't, I don't think like the world. I think like me. We all think we're super independent and we, we, we are, you know, completely unique in our thought process and we are totally in control of what we think and how we think. But quite honestly, that's just not true. Everyone's thinking is influenced. All right. Now, I was watching a TED talk a while back on a professor of media and uh, he has this study called Public Pedagogy. And this is the study of how societies are taught ideologies. Okay, how we learn what we know about other people and the world. Oftentimes when I travel to other parts of the world, I'm interested in what their history books look like. You know, and so like when I'm in England, I'm like, all right, the Revolutionary War, what do you guys call that? And they, they say, oh, it's the, you know, the war against the, the betraying treacherous colonies. I'm like, oh, okay. When I go to Vietnam, I'm like, hey, what, what is the Vietnam War called? We call it the Vietnam War. I don't think you call it that. They go, no, we call it the war against the America. I mean, there's, it's interesting because the perspective is going to change based on the ideology of the country, of the history, of who's writing the book. 
And so let me give you just a little snippet on this. This is a little bit more outdated, but it's still relative to what we're talking about. In 1983, 90% of media, and media is television, radio, publication, written, anything that is produced out for your consumption, 90% of media was owned by 50 companies. So 90% of everything that was put out into the public information was owned by 50 companies. In 2015, 90% of media was owned by six companies. Comcast, Disney, News Corp, CBS, AOL, Time Warner, and Viacom. Nine out of every 10 movies, books, music, television, commercials, etc., are owned by just six companies. How much influence do you think those six companies have over the images and messages that you are allowed to see? That they throw in your face. It's kind of scary when you really think about it. And this was back in 2015. There's been some consolidations and some groups that are keep coming up. Just if you ever look at a label, nine times out of ten, that's not the company. That's, they have a, what's called a parent company. These are those parent companies. These are the ones that oversee all of it. Now, this is the deal. The media, they can't tell us what to think. Instead, they tell us what to think about. They don't tell you what to think. They just control what you think about. They want to make sure, well, at least let's control the conversation. We can't control how they think about the thing, but we can control what they're thinking about. Sometimes if I'm in a, in a contentious situation or if I feel like a conversation is getting heated, I might bring up another subject. I'm just trying to move the conversation away. And oftentimes, this is what media does. They say, hey, listen, we can't control how they think, but let's control what they think about. So, so instead of uh, concerning the things of the Lord, we're going to get you focused on this stuff. And so does the media control you? Maybe not the way you think, but they do control what you think about. And it has an impact on how you view things. It has an impact on what you retweet. It has an impact on what you post. It has an impact on how you view certain circumstances, certain situations, depending on who you follow. And just think about it now with social media, it's even crazier. Because if you just like one certain kind of post, suddenly your feed gets flooded with posts that continue to reinforce that one idea. So if your post influences this one idea, if you like this certain picture, all of a sudden the algorithm kicks in and you're sent picture after picture of that one thing. So if you have a little slip up and you like an inappropriate picture, you catch yourself watching a reel that maybe you shouldn't be watching, it's no wonder that it's harder to get away from that because all of a sudden your little explorer page is filled with inappropriate reels because that's how the algorithm works. It works to feed into that narrative and to get you stuck on that one type of conversation or that one topic. This is why now, more than ever before, you have to understand and control what you're thinking about. And so how do we do that? Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, right? Deception, trying to fool you. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You got to let the Spirit renew your thoughts. 
It tells us that we need power that's greater than ourselves, meaning you in and of yourself are not going to be able to change the narrative or the conversation. You need the Holy Spirit's power to come in and start to move and direct that and to change your perceptions on things. Greater than the power within those six companies controlling the media is the power that God is placing you through the Holy Spirit. No ear can hear or control what you are thinking. Each of us is influenced by something. What can you do to decide who will be the major influence in your life? And you have to allow the Lord to do that. In order for you to stop thinking about those things, you need a voice that's louder than the voice you're listening to. Some of us, you know, again, I think we just get so caught up in not sinning, and I'm just telling you, that's a lot of wasted energy. Rather than putting all that energy into not sinning, put all that energy into getting closer to the voice of God, into getting closer to his ear, into getting closer to his personhood, into getting closer to what the Spirit of God wants you to do. Rather than trying not to do bad, try to get close to good. Whose voice are you listening to, yours, the world, or the Lord? Who are you allowing to be a major influence in your life? I don't know if you're old enough or mature enough to have gotten to this point, but you will, where at some point you start to realize there's certain people in my life that are not a good influence for me. There's certain people in my life that I realize every time I get caught doing something, it's because of this person. Every time I find myself in a bad situation, it's because of this person. I remember in high school, uh, there was a whole group of us, we'd all hang out, and there was one short little annoying guy, right? Oreo was his name. I think, I don't know what his real name was, but that was what we called him, Oreo. And... Oreo was a talker, talk, 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 and would always try to talk, you know, beef with other guys and would, would get into these arguments and was always instigating fights because he knew we would all back him up. After a while, we start thinking, why do we keep backing him up? We don't even like him. <laughs> he just keeps talking and putting us in situations where we got to fight people that we don't have any issues with. And so sure enough, we stopped doing it. And guess what? He stopped talking. Because he realized, I don't have the support I thought I had. Now listen, it may not be a person. It might be you. It might be that voice that you keep allowing to speak into your life that keeps putting you into situations where the next week when you're at the altar and you're crying out to God and you're asking for forgiveness, God is saying, stop letting that voice influence you into that direction. Some of us, we got to move and, and sit next to different people during services. Some of us, we got to, re- well, you know, I'm trying to make friends at church. Okay, but are you making the right ones? Because not everybody at church is here because they want to get closer to God. Some of them, let's be honest, are just trying to get closer to you. And not in a holy way, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm not saying like, oh, we shouldn't be friends. Listen, we need to love each other, and that's biblical. But you can't be dumb either. You got to be willing to discern and understand, hey, I'm trying to go in this direction. And if you're not going with me, I got to get closer to God than I got to get closer to you. And so I'm going to move in that direction. You hear me? The other thing we got to do if we want to stop thinking like the world is we got to stop asking others what to think. People love to ask me, Pastor, what can or can I not do? Right? It's easier to have someone tell you than to learn and think on your own. Hey, as a Christian, can I do this or can I not do that? Am I allowed to do this or am I not allowed to do that? People want step-by-step instructions. Five ways to stop overeating. Seven keys to a successful life. Three rules to dating. You know, top 10 in BuzzFeed, right? Like we all want these little anecdotes or these little step-by-step guides because if you just give me the formula, I can plug and play. 
And even with the Bible, people want to know, well, where's the line? Okay, what does the Bible say about this? And what does the Bible say about that? And, and how close is too close? Okay, I know that we can't have sex outside of marriage. I guess the Bible says that. But what can we do? And, and how can we do it? And are we supposed to do this? And are we not supposed to do that? And we're always looking for the line. Let me tell you something. If you're always looking for the boundary, maybe you're already too close. The problem with that is it doesn't help you avoid sinning. It just shows you how sinful you actually are. Listen, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. It says, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of the world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. <laughs> a spiritual walk with the Lord is not about do's and don'ts. If you think your relationship with God is about what you can and cannot do, then you've misunderstood what a relationship with God means. Again, that would be like me in a relationship with my wife going, okay, so can I talk to this girl or can I not talk to that girl? Or, babe, I just want to know what the rules are, okay? Am I okay to do this? Or, like, let's say there's this girl who's really, really cute. Can I be, like, Facebook friends with her, but I won't be Instagram friends with her? Like, if that's the relationship with me and my wife, how many know I won't have a relationship with me and my wife any longer? Because it's not about what I can and cannot do in marriage. It's about how do I grow in my love for my wife? How does she grow in her love for me? How do I serve her and how does she serve me? How do we grow as one? It's not about, okay, well, as a man, I have to throw out the trash and you have to cook. And I have to, you know, change the diapers in the night and you got to change the diapers in the morning. That's just not how we roll as a relationship. I, was, I got off the road for two weeks. I was tired. Pretty sure I caught a cold. Not COVID, but a cold. And I still came home and had to do all my laundry. Why? Because my wife is super pregnant and was holding down with a toddler on her own. So I wasn't going to sit there and go, well, you're the woman. You, you got you know, to have a meal ready for me, and you got to do my laundry. You got to rub my feet. I'm like, babe, it's, it's about serving you and you serving me. We're a relationship. And in the same way, when it comes to my relationship with God, well, God doesn't let me do this and God doesn't let me do that. No, God, you let me live. That's enough. You let me breathe. You let me have life and life everlasting. You have given me purpose. You have given me a calling. You have set me apart from other things. God, you don't owe me anything. And yet you still give me so much more. And so I will gladly serve you. See, the thought process changes the approach. When you feel like you have to rather than you get to, things are different. Oh, I have to go to church. Well, no wonder you don't like coming here. Versus the person who understands, no, no, I get to come to church and experience the presence of God with other people and grow in my relationship with God and be encouraged and be lit up. No, I get to go. I get to serve God. I get to grow in my relationship. See, you got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you perceive things. And in order to do that, you got to stop asking everybody else how you're supposed to do it. And you got to start learning to ask God. You, every leader can tell you this because it's happened to them. Oftentimes, because they have issues, believe it or not, they, they have issues. And they'll come to me, hey, I need to talk to you. And nine times out of ten, my first question is, well, how's your devotional life been? And nine times out of ten, that's not been good. And so my thing is, why are you going to talk to me before you talk to God? Go talk to God first. 
And I'll send them to go talk to God. We'll go talk to God. You, you, you set apart time to meet with me. Go meet with God. And so they'll go meet with God. And again, almost every time when they come back, they don't even have to talk to me anymore. What did God say? Yeah, I know what I need to do now. Awesome. And I look really good in that picture, by the way, like I did something. But all I did was make sure they understood, listen, I am not the one who gives you fresh revelation. That comes from the Lord. I can confirm things. I can support you. I can come alongside and pray with you. But I'm not Jesus. And so for you guys, you got to understand, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have access to God in the same way I have access to God. You don't need Pastor Joy to come and pray for you. God will listen to you. Will I love to do that? Yes. Will I be willing to partner with you? Absolutely. But don't sidestep it and be like, well, no, I got to find out this or I got to go to that person. No, you do not. The whole reason Jesus Christ died on the cross was so that you can have personal access to God. Third thing is this. You got to stop asking people what to think. You got to stop thinking like the world. And you got to stop thinking with your feelings. You got to stop thinking with your feelings. Listen, feelings are great. God gave us feelings for a reason. And, and there are so many great feelings. And even some of the bad feelings, there's a goodness behind it. There's, you know, something good about mourning the loss of somebody. It allows your, your physical and your spiritual and your mental capacity to process the loss of a loved one. There are purposes behind feelings. But it's also important for you to understand that your feelings are not always reliable. Your feelings are not always going to be facts. You might walk in the room and feel like everybody's watching you. And in reality, nobody even noticed, right? You ever have that moment where you feel like you got something in your mouth and everybody noticed it and nobody said it. And if you wouldn't have brought it up, we wouldn't even have known you had spinach in your teeth. But so often we're paranoid with our own feelings. We're we're caught up, well, well, you know, I just feel like nobody likes me. Well, did everybody in the room say they don't like you or is that just what you feel? I just feel like they don't like me. Well, how much of that is you and how much of that is them? How often are we punishing people for what we feel like they're thinking? We got to be careful with this because so often our mental capacity is led by our uh, feeling capacity. And so what we feel becomes our reality when that's not always the case. And listen, I get it. Feeling is it's good. It's, it's a way to navigate certain things, but it's not a way to live your life. That's not something to be guided by because feelings aren't always facts and feelings can lead you astray. Feelings can be wrong. Listen, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You know, the world will always say, oh, just follow your heart. Just, you know, hey, do whatever feels good. If it feels good to you, it's all good. Like, you know, do you. Hey, as long as it feels good, go with it. And so the world is constantly telling you, hey, do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whatever you feel like doing. That's not good advice. I might feel like slapping you. That's not good advice. It's how I feel, but it's not good. I shouldn't do it. I might feel like kicking one of you sometimes, but you're a child and I'm an adult. I can get arrested for that. So it doesn't mean I do what I feel like doing. And too often, people just be like, I just feel like getting in this person's face or I just feel like yelling at this person online. And we got a lot of real brave people online. But it doesn't mean that you should do it. And too many people just do things because they feel like it. They say, oh, well, I, you know, I, just, I feel like it. Who cares? 
That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's, it's going to help you. That doesn't mean it's factual. Listen, what's heavier? A thousand pounds of cotton or a thousand pounds of concrete? Right? A thousand pounds of cotton or a thousand pounds of concrete? It's the same weight. What feels heavier? Concrete. Feelings aren't facts. And too often, we allow our feelings to sway our decision-making. I don't feel like God loves me. Is that a fact? Or is that your feeling? Because if I go by my word, my Bible over and over and over again says that God loves me. My Bible tells me that there was nothing I did to earn God's love, so there's nothing I can do to lose God's love, that there is no height nor depth nor anything in between that could ever separate me from God's love. So feeling like God doesn't love me, that's not true. That's just what you've convinced yourself of. That's what your mind is going because your mind is following your feelings. But when you learn to follow facts, when you learn to follow God's word, when you learn to be led on by that, that all changes. Listen, there have been people, it it still cracks me up. I've been in ministry 12 years. It amazes me how many people feel like I'm gonna yell at them if they tell me what's going on. I just feel like you're gonna be mad and you're gonna throw something. I have never yelled at anyone in this room. I've never done it. I've never raised my voice. I've never shot. I've never thrown a chair at anybody here. here. Nope, nobody here. Never thrown a chair at any of you. I've never shown any kind of demonstrative anger thing. But it's your feeling. It's how you feel that I will react. And because of that, oftentimes people avoid meeting with me. People avoid talking to me about certain things because they feel like I'm going to hate them or I'm going to be mad at them or I'm not going to acknowledge them anymore. And again, almost every time when they're honest, when they're transparent, when they open up, they experience the very opposite. That I'm not mad at them, that I'm not disappointed in them, that I'm not angry. If anything, I'm very happy that they were willing to open up to me about it. We have to be careful. Some of you, you really struggle in your relationship with your parents because you feel like they hate you, because you feel like they don't like you. And listen, there may be moments where they don't know how to control their emotions and maybe they've lashed out at you and maybe they've said things to you that they regret and that they shouldn't say, but it doesn't always relate to facts. There's been plenty of times when I walk in a room and I feel like maybe people don't like me. And that's a lot of my own insecurity. That's a lot of my own past. That's a lot of my own issue. But I've learned to not go based on those feelings. So what do I do? I act like everybody likes me. (laughs) Hey, what's up, guys? And they're like, oh, how are you so confident? Oh, I'm totally faking it right now. But listen, I'd rather fake that than pretend like everyone hates me in this room. I'm just going to assume you like me until you tell me you don't like me. And then when I find out you don't like me, then, hey, we don't got to do anything together. We can move on. It's not a big deal to me. Okay? You're not my child and you're not my wife, so I can move on in my life. But we have to be careful because there have been a lot of kids who have hurt themselves. There's a lot of kids who have contemplated suicide. There's people in this room who have gone that far because they've allowed one feeling to beget another feeling to beget another feeling to eventually get to a point where you've convinced yourself no one cares about you. You've convinced yourself people are laughing at you. You've convinced yourself people have said this or that about you. And again, it's feelings. It amazes me at Excel, you know, with all these kids in the room, there's times where like, everybody at Excel hates me. Everybody? Like you sat there and you asked every single individual? Maybe one person doesn't like you, but you don't like that one person. There's more people. Get over it. It's not that big a deal, all right? Like, oh, well, that one person said something about me. 
okay, there's 10 other people that say good things about you. Why are you so fixated on the word and person's opinion? Like, this is a problem that we have because we allow our thought process to be dictated by our emotions, to be dictated by what the world thinks, to be dictated by what we perceive. And all that does is cause you to go deeper and deeper into seclusion, deeper and deeper into your own issues, and deeper and deeper into confusion. Because now your feelings are mixed with your facts and you don't know what's what. And you start wandering around with your eyes closed trying to find an exit to the door. Listen, if you change the way you think, you can change the way you believe. And if you can change the way you believe, you can change the way you behave. It starts to be transformative in your life. You have to think what's true. Not what you think, not what you assume, not what you feel. Think what's true. This is why over and over again, we keep imploring you, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. We're telling you that not because we're going to give you a test at the end of the year, but because life gives you a test every day. And how can you know what's true when you don't read it? How can you have your mind be transformed, be transformed by the renewal of your mind? Well, one of the other ways that God renews your mind is by the washing of the water of the word. When the word washes over you, when the word begins to cleanse negative thinking, when God's word begins to ratify the things that need to be ratified in your life to say that is true and that is not true. That's why the Bible says we take every thought and we hold it captive and we submit it to Christ. And we say, God, is this you or is this not you? But if you don't read your word for yourself, if you don't take the time, and I get it. Some of it can feel complicated. Some of it can feel like, oh, I don't understand. But I also get this. There's a lot of you in this room that are really, really smart. And even those of you who are like, well, I'm not book smart. Trust me, there are more resources today than there ever been in the history of all of humanity to literally walk you through everything. There are apps that will explain every word and every verse for you. It's not a matter of I can't, it's a matter of will I. And you have to decide if you want your mind to be transformed, if you want to change the way you think. It's, it's the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. If you're consuming 14 hours worth of social media and 20 minutes worth of Bible reading, don't be surprised who has a greater influence over your life. Listen, Psalm 25 verse 5 says, lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. The Holy Spirit longs to lead you into all truth, to guide you into that. But notice that the scriptures say, lead me, not pull me, not drag me, not push me. The Holy Spirit will lead, will you follow? Will you be willing to do what you need to do to have your mind renewed? Because your mind's not gonna be renewed by just putting the Bible on top of your head and hoping it soaks in. Your mind's not gonna be renewed just because you come for an hour on Thursday night and you hear me talk. That's not renewing of your mind, that's just a quick checkup. If you really want to see a transformation begin to happen in your life, if you genuinely want to grow in your relationship with God and in understanding who God is, even if you're in this place and you're like, Pastor, I don't even know if I believe in God. That's fine, but make an educated decision on that. Don't just sit there and go, I don't know if I feel like it's right or if I feel like it's don't. Why don't you read it for yourself? That's why Jesus said, taste me and see if I'm good. 
right? Jesus is literally like a Costco sample person. Like, here, try this. Thank God they're back. But here, try this. And see for yourself if you like it. But you got to be willing to try it. You can't just walk by and be like, oh, no, I don't like that. Or I don't like God. Or, I don't like the Bible. I don't like, read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. Talk to God for yourself. Explore the relationship with God on your own. And allow that to begin to influence the way you think and the way you move in things. And can I tell you something? This is a lifelong journey. It's never ended for me. Every time I'm, I'm struggling, I don't know what to think about a topic. I don't know what to think about a subject. When it's politics, when it's social issues, when it's things that are happening in today's world, I don't just sit there and think about it on my own. I go back to God's word. God, what do you say about this? God, how am I supposed to look at this? God, what's your perspective? Because that's what I want. I don't want somebody else's perspective. I want God's perspective. I want to be able to think the way he thinks. I want to be able to see things the way he sees things. I want to be able to be the way he's being so I can live the way he lives. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand real quick as we get ready to close. And I'm going to ask you if you can, just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And uh, Ara, if you can help me out with just the keys for a little bit. I want to pray for a couple of different groups here tonight. And I'm not necessarily going to call you out, but I do want to make sure that I take time to pray over them. And I understand, you know, we're at the tail end of this whole COVID thing, and we're grateful for that, and we thank God that that's happening. But I also understand that for those of you in this room who already struggle with some kind of mental illness or depression or anxiety, this past year was probably the perfect disaster recipe. And it probably made things that much more worse for you. And even though we're at the tail end, it's, it's probably difficult for you to start even socializing again with people. And I'd love to preach all day long, but the truth is you need to hear God's voice, not mine. So in a moment, I want to pray, and no one's looking around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for some different groups. But I want to pray for the individuals in this room who would say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. Um, I've been struggling with my mental. I've had some anxiety issues. I've had some mental health issues. I'm not saying you're even diagnosed. I'm not saying you're, I'm just saying, hey, listen, there have been some thoughts that I know aren't of God. I've thought about hurting myself or I've just been thinking less of myself. I've really been struggling with depression, with self-doubt, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how extreme or how little you think it is. It's what you're going through. And that matters to God. And I want to ask the Lord tonight to change the way you see that, to begin to change the way you think about these things and to begin to transform your mind in that process. So if you're in this place tonight and you're saying, Pastor Joey, I've really been struggling with my mental health. This has been a rough year and um, I just really need God's help tonight. Would you just signal me real quick by lifting up your hand and I'll, I'll pray for you tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised, Lord. God, I just pray right now against the lies of the enemy. The lie that says that they're less than, the lie that says that nobody loves them, the lie that tells them they're inadequate, the lie that's convinced them that all the other things negative that's been said from them, even from people they care about, is true. 
But Lord, we know that it's not when it comes to your word. Father, we know that we were fearfully and wonderfully made according to your word. We know that according to your word, we are your masterpieces. We know that we're not perfect, but we also know that we were worth dying for. So God, I just pray right now over every individual, Lord, may it be anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's doubt, whether it's fatigue. God, we're so grateful for medication. We're so grateful for therapy. We're so grateful for godly counsel and wisdom. But Lord, we need you tonight more than anything. We need a touch of your Holy Spirit. We need your voice to speak louder than every other voice that's in our head. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, would you begin to wash away that thought, God? Would you begin to take captive every negative thought, every wrong thinking that's from the enemy, everything that tries to derail what you have purpose and plan? Would you take that thought away in Jesus' name? And you replace it, Lord, with your love. Would you replace it, Lord, with your affirmation? Would you replace it, Lord, with everything that comes from you, God? Even now, Holy Spirit, we ask, wash away the doubt, wash away the anxiety, wash away the anger. And Lord, I just pray in this moment, would you begin to help them to think differently? Would you begin to help them to perceive things differently? Not the way the world tells them to look. God, so many of us here, we struggle with the way we physically look because what the world has modeled as how we should look. Lord, I just pray, help us to see ourselves with your eyes. Help us to be able to look in the mirror and see what you see, not what the world tells us to see. Help us to be able to think the way you think, God. Help us to not look to other people for love and affirmation because we found it in you, O oh Lord. Father, I pray against every scheme and lie that the devil may try to use to tell us that we're anything less than what you died for. And Lord, we're so grateful that even at our worst, you are there to help build us up day in and day out. So Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. We pray you in Jesus' name. Before we close, I just want to pray for one more group of people in this room. I want to pray for the group of people that you're not in that boat. You, you don't struggle with depression and anxiety and, and all those other things. But your mind is not fixated on God. You're somebody that's just kind of been drifting in and out. When you're at church, you're good. You know, you listen, you pay attention but you're not actively pursuing the presence of God. And you're allowing whoever it is on whatever day to speak, to influence your thoughts. But if you're willing, I want to pray tonight that God would become a greater voice in your life and that you would have a greater pursuit of that voice, that you would take action to go beyond where you're at and to no longer be satisfied with being a lukewarm Christian somebody who just shows up and then goes home and does whatever they want to do. And again, I'm not going to call you out of your seats. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. But it does take a lot of courage to admit, Pastor, I'm not where I want to be. But I need God's help if I'm going to get to where I need to go. So again, with every head bow, every eye closed, don't worry about anybody else in this room. If you're honest and you're transparent, you say, Pastor, I need prayer for that tonight. I need God's help. Because sometimes it's just, I'm not even thinking about it, man, but I find myself drifting and drifting and I want to get solid. If you're in that place, would you just raise your hand real quick and I'll pray for you and thank you, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you. Thank you, bro. Heavenly Father, you saw every hand that was raised in that moment too, God. And Lord, I thank you because there is a desire there to get close to you. There is a desire there to want to know you. There's a desire to draw to you, Lord. And God, I've been in that boat. I've been in that situation where I've allowed the waves and the wind to push me wherever it wants to take me. But God, I just pray that right now they would take hold of that paddle and that they would begin to move in a direction towards you. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would encourage them in those moments when they don't feel like reading their Bible. I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to snap them out of it. Lord, in those moments when they don't feel like praying, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit would draw them into prayer. God, I pray that there would be a hunger for your presence, that there would be a hunger to draw close to you. Lord, I know that you have a purpose and a plan for that life. I know that you have called them for such a time as this, that you're not waiting for them to grow up to use them, but you want to use them now where they're at. So God, I just pray that they wouldn't allow anything or anyone, even themselves, to just drift and be tossed by the wind. God, I pray that they would be intentional. Lord, that they would set a timer and an appropriate time to do their devotional time, to pray and to worship, to seek your word and understanding, to ask questions when there's stuff they don't get. Lord, that it wouldn't be because of Pastor Joey or because of their leader, but because they're driven by your love and by your presence. Lord, I pray that they would be addicted to it, God that there would be such a hunger, such a drive that we would have to try to stop them from pursuing you, God. Lord, I pray that it would be so infectious in them that others will be drawn to you because of their passion for you, that others will be drawn to your presence because of their relationship with you. So Lord, I just pray a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit a fresh anointing again, oh Lord. Renew their strength, renew their passions. Make it so, God so they can follow you every day of their life. I thank you for every hand, Lord. I thank you for every need that's represented in this room. God, we ask that you would have your way as only you could. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Come on, guys. Everybody said? Would you give God a hand clap of praise tonight?